Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford. From the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg, we're glad you're with us to kick off another week of Golden Eagle Sports Talk around the state on the Super Talk Radio Network. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and, of course, Southern Miss. You can enjoy their fall-off-the-bone ribs, hickory-smoked brisket, other great meats. They really do have very good brisket. Uh, Seven days a week at their restaurant right next to the mall in Hattiesburg, 15th Avenue in Laurel, or community near you. And, of course, uh, if you have an event upcoming, you can sit back, relax, and always let Dickie's do the cooking. Glad to have Dickies on board the Eagle Hour. Lee Roberts joins us a little later in the show. Sean Mills, former great Southern Miss player, will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, first, quickly to you, Luke. Everything we were told all year long now seems to be upside down. Going to have a great defense, going to struggle on offense. Offense puts up 47 points, 600-plus yards, and the defense gives up 42 points. Explain that to our listeners. Well, uh, we only did give up 24 yards on the ground, so I guess that's the defensive (laughs) positive. You know, one of the things we were concerned about was the pass defense. They were really good last year, uh, but Troy just had their way. Some of it's the scheme, some of it, you know, we couldn't do it. But here's the thing you say about Saturday. The defense got stops early and allowed us to get a 14-point advantage, and the defense locked down when they had to have a stop uh, towards the end of the game. So, you know, it was one of those uh, fun games to watch. It was, it was exciting, 42 watch, yeah. points in the fourth quarter. Great game to watch, no question. And I, here's what I say, we won, and uh, that's really all that matters. All right, up next, the Darth Vader of college football, the place where schools go to die. USM headed to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to beat the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Our first guest was on the football team the last time the Golden Eagles went to Alabama and walked away with a 21 to nothing win. Sean Mills joins the Eagle Hour. And, Sean, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you remember that day vividly. Oh, yes. You can't forgive anything like that. You know, Alabama is something big. Going, to, uh, going into uh, Legion Field and beating Alabama is one thing, Sean. Going into Legion Field and beating them 21 to nothing, we should point out that was back in the year 2000. What was working so well that night for the Golden Eagles? So we really had the run game working. We was coming off a, a close loss uh, to Tennessee in the opener that year. And, you know, we had uh, Alabama the very next game. So that's two, uh, two tough games to start the season off. But we really had the running game working and, and the short passing game working that day. And the defense was unbelievable. Well, the defense had to be really stout. Alabama is not very often in their storied history shut out, are they? No, not at all. I mean, our secondary that year was uh, real mean. We had a lot of guys go to the league off that team, and, you know, it was a good day. 
Now, Sean, my buddy Luke reminded me of something before we went on the air. We, we're bringing guys back on the show this week that were on the last team to beat Alabama. But I got to take you back. Uh, I'm so glad Luke reminded me of this to a year earlier. Uh, the Golden Eagles were playing really their arch rival at the time, the Louisville Cardinals. They were playing for a championship up there, and you were involved in what may be the most storied play, single play in Southern Miss history, where it appeared you were just standing on the sidelines talking to Coach Bauer. All the while, you were going to receive a pass and run it in for a touchdown. Let our, Remind our listeners about that play, Sean Mills. Well, that's a play that we have put in, uh, Jeff Bauer had put in, I believe, at the end of the summer camp. And, um, you know, it was something we practiced, you know, once, twice a week all season, you know, just uh, just to have in our pocket in case we needed it. And, you know, we did it at the last game. It was, uh, it was a fake punt where I actually go to the sideline and act like I'm getting fussed out by, by the coach, and he would just tell me to go as soon as the ball was hiked. And it was something we had to clear with the rest before the game. You know, I actually uh, break down the diagram of the play to make sure it was legal and to make sure that they were, that they were aware that we were going to run it that game. Mm-hmm. Louisville coaches, coaches didn't like that play much, did they, Sean? No, it actually came out uh, in the paper the next day. They, they was, uh, you know, not happy about that. And, but we was all within the guidelines and everything. So it's just one of the things I think they got caught off guard with. Luke, you described it as Mills Kills. Mills Kills. Yeah, Sean, wasn't the name of that play? It was it was Mills Kills, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We did I remember when Mills I got Kills. to Southern Miss in uh, in '01. Mark Hallman uh, told me about that. Who, who threw that? Well, did Purser throw that pass? I believe so. Now that I think about it, I believe so. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Purser, the legend himself from Red yeah, Bay, Jamie Alabama, Purser. threw that pass. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sean, talk about that that '99 team. It goes down as one of the greatest in Southern Miss uh, history. I, I, a lot of you guys felt like you should have won at Nebraska, um, and you know maybe should have finished uh, with ten wins that season. But you know you finished number sixteen. What made that team so special? I mean, we was loaded everywhere. I mean, the defense was unbelievable. I mean, you had guys like Adelius Thomas, and you know. Uh, T.J. Slaughter, and, I mean, you got, you know, guys with high draft picks. You know, we had Todd Pinks in the second round, you know, and Sherrod Gideon. I mean, we was just loaded everywhere. You know, I had my roommate, uh, Leroy Barnes, free safety. I mean, I mean, on every level we had a guy that was going to the league or, you know, getting a shot at it. What was it? Because after this weekend, there's been some comparison to Jalen Adams and Quez Watkins, and the two names of that duo that go back uh, with Sherrod Gideon and and Todd Pinkson. What was it like for you coming in and having those two guys? You know, um, just set an example for excellence in the receiving core. Yeah, I mean, I'm on my first day just meeting those guys at camp. I was like, wow. I mean, coming from junior college, I was, you know, lucky that we was running a three three wide receiver system. It would have been hard to get on the field with these, you know, those guys. But, you know, anytime you're spoken in the breath of Sherrod Gideon and Todd Pinkston, I mean, those two guys there ought to be, you know, a pr- you know proud of that and, you know, work even harder. Right. You know, right. Sean. You I, t- I want to ask you, too, 
R- one more question, Bob, on this. Uh, we Jalen Adams through three games has two kickoff returns for a touchdown and, and a punt return for a touchdown. I don't think there's been uh, a returner in school history that has jumped off to that fast. But but you're second all time in punt returns and uh, in, in punt return average. You was about 15 yards a pop. What has been your your view of uh, if you've been able to watch some with Adams and just how important uh, that the, the return yardage has been for the Eagles? I mean, you can look at it pretty much in the game. As soon as you have good return yards or, or even a touchdown, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to win that ball game. So, you know, special teams are very important. I, I got a chance to see him. His confidence, I think, is what you know is really what's separating him right now. You know, that's what you know really big for a return to have confidence. You know, he hits it hard. So, I mean, I, I suppose he's going they're going to start kicking away from him soon enough, or, or he's going to keep he's going to keep teaching. <laughs> Hey, Sean, uh, Luke points out that uh, you, you you played on a team that finished 16th in the country. Uh, you played on a team that uh, beat Alabama 21 to nothing. When you look back on your time uh, under Jeff Bauer, what do, you, what do you think about those years, Sean? Oh, man, I honestly come from junior college. I had uh, verbally committed to Arizona State. And, you know, just them dropping me and actually going with a different kid is the best thing that happened to me, I believe. So, I mean – because just getting down there in, in that environment, you know, it's all about football down there. And it's, man, just playing with unbelievable players, you know, great coaches. I mean, it's was, it was one of the great times of my life right there, just being able to be a part of that program and all that and great players I got to play with. Yeah, I can understand. Do you, I would have to think that, that some nights you're at home in your recliner and the, and the Mills Kills play comes to your mind. Do you remember that like that was yesterday? Sean, did we lose you? Well, I think the phone call dropped. Uh, Sean Mills, you with us? Oh, no, I'm still here. Okay. Still here. I was going to ask you, did, can you, can you remember that play, that Louisville play? Do you ever sit back at night and perhaps think about that and relive that a bit? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So just the whole – I mean, my whole two years there, you know, but definitely that was one of the highlights. One of my big plays there was uh, the Louisville play. You know, just so happened to be on a fake punt, not even being a receiver or a returner, actually being, being on a fake punt. You know, um, that was a big game. You know, they just opened that Papa John Stadium that year. And, you know, they had a lot of players that was going to the league on their team as well. So it was definitely a big game. All right. Well, Sean, real quickly, before we run out of time, what are you doing now? Where are you and what are you doing? Folks love to hear that kind of stuff. Man, I'm actually just back home in Enid. Um, actually doing coaching. I've been coaching uh, high school football for the past few years. And, you know, really found my niche in that. Good. You know, I was playing on, you know, just keep going forward with that. Be calling plays here soon enough. I just want to keep pushing my career in that in that direction. All right. Well, that sounds great, man. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Pleasure having you on the Eagle Hour, my friend. And uh, best of luck to you with your high school team. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Sean Mills, everybody, one of the great names from uh, Jeff Bowers' era at Southern Miss. Uh, good, good to think about those times. We'll be right back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Our thanks to Sean Mills for joining us in the first segment of today's Eagle Hour. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Best selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere is at Campus Bookmart. If you're outside of the Hattiesburg area, CampusBookmart.net is your ticket. You can just shop, enjoy yourself, and they'll deliver the Southern Miss stuff right to your front door. I want to thank Campus Bookmark for their support of the Eagle Hour. Lee Roberts uh, coming up uh, in the next segment to take a look back at Saturday night's 47-42 win over Troy. Uh, real quickly, I want to congratulate Patrick Casey Wilson of Waynesboro. He's going to win four tickets uh, to the UTEP game. He was the closest to predicting the score. Nobody was really close. I don't think anyone expected uh, a 47-42 game. But Patrick was the closest, predicting a 38-24 USM win. And even though it wasn't close, he was the closest. And we're going to live up to our word and make sure that Patrick Casey Wilson has four tickets to the Texas-El Paso game. Other scores around the league this weekend. Florida Atlantic beat Ball State 41 31 Army beat Texas San Antonio 31-13. Louisville beat Western Kentucky 38-21. Cal beat North Texas 23-17. Louisiana Tech beat Bowling Green 35-7. Charlotte beat UMass 52-17. Marshall squeaked by Ohio 33-31. Duke beat Middle Tennessee 41-18. Florida International beat New Hampshire 30-17. And Texas Ran all over Rice, 48-13. to All right, a few observations about the game from my perspective Saturday night, Luke. A, very entertaining, fun football game to watch. B, glad, of course, the Golden Eagles won. I think it was a crucial, crucial uh, game for them to win in light of who they play this weekend. Third, it just it, – it may be more than ever. It may be more than ever, Luke Johnson, think that Southern Miss needs to find a way into the Sun Belt Conference – Great atmosphere there, uh, a great competitive football game, far more competitive, I predict, than you're going to see in two weeks when uh, Texas El Paso is in Hattiesburg. Uh, it just seems like the Sun Belt Conference would be a wonderful fit for the Golden Eagles, and we would develop a lot of regional rivalries like that fine Troy team we saw. Looks like they've got a beautiful football stadium, and it was just a great atmosphere. It was. I'll, I'll get into Sunbelt in just a minute. I want to talk uh, more about the game first. Fifth largest crowd in Troy history. So uh, Troy was there, and, and it was cool to watch it, whether you were listening to, to, to John or Lee or watching it on ESPN. I, three quarters I listened uh, to, to the broadcast, and then I turned on ESPN+. Plus. I'll tell you what, it was a, a nail-biter. You you end the uh, the third quarter. Quez gets a pass from Jack, and it's 26-21, and so you feel like you know there's a decent uh, defensive battle going on. And then uh, what do you have? You have 42 po- total points in in the fourth quarter. I was extremely uh, excited in the first half. Jack Abraham for this game. I'll just talk about him first. Jack Abraham was unbelievable. Completed his first 17 straight passes. I thought Buster Faulkner had an excellent game plan going in. And as much as the defense gave us little blood pressure issues later in the game, the defense had two big stops on Troy. The first one was three and out. And uh, Jack takes it right down the field. 
field with uh, with the offense. And then this offense did what they needed to do. They started they they uh, when Troy started coming back, they matched them, and then the big drive at the end of the game to get the first down and and put it away. But Jack Abraham was tremendous. You see what Quez Watkins uh, has done. Jordan Mitchell uh, is is a legit uh, receiver. Jalen Adams uh, may be one of the most electric football players that we've had in a long time. The obvious issue is the pass defense. What are you going to do? Because when North Texas comes to town, when uh, at the end of the season when you're facing Florida Atlantic, you got to be able, um, you know, to to do a much better job. Barker was good. I mean, they just were their schemes. They were finding people that were open. Chip Lindsey's a, a brilliant offensive mind. I think that uh, Troy will be in the upper echelon of the Sun Belt. So let me just—I'll make a quick statement about that. Um, I would feel a whole lot better if this Conference USA and the Sun Belt both blew up and that we were we got into a league that was kind of the best of both worlds. But I was extremely pleased with how the as much as blood pressure as they gave me the second and third quarter, I was pleased uh that we were able to finish a ball game. Yeah, it was just a good night uh for the Golden Eagles and uh, they of course get their Second win. I think at the start of the year, everybody looked at the schedule and said, if you could come out of the first month two and two, that's the best that you can hope for. Uh, so up next, uh, Alabama. 2000 was the uh, last time the Golden Eagles beat Alabama, 21 to nothing at Legion Field. This will be uh, the highest ranked opponent Southern Miss has played since 1997. When they played uh, number two Florida and and lost by a score of twenty one to six against the uh, the number two team in the country, but boy, I tell you what, uh, enjoy Troy. It was a great win. It's the it's the type of it's the type of games that Southern Miss, in my estimation, needs to be playing. That's the type of school, the type of program that would provide competitive, fun football for Southern Miss fans. Uh, taking absolutely nothing away from Troy because they were certainly a worthy opponent. This is a whole different animal coming up Saturday, Luke. It is, and, and just to, to revisit the, the Troy win, I, I mean, I could be corrected on it. It's probably the, the best road win for Jay Hobson other than the first game he coached him at Kentucky. I, I mean, point so, to me yeah. out a, a better a better you know road win, and that was the thing. If they would have lost this one, uh, it, it would have really, you know, just kind of stunk uh, in a lot of places. But I mean, it's the I think it's the best road win besides Kentucky for Jay Hobson. Yeah, this week um, spread's already out. We're thirty nine point underdog. Mm. Fine, okay. Uh, I, you can you can believe with all your heart, and and I'm on I'm one of those fans. I, I believe that. On any given day, anybody can beat anybody. I will be cheering. But if we get through this game injury-free and we get our $1.5 million check and head back to Hattiesburg, I'll be happy. Down the road, if Southern Miss were to play in a more regional conference, and in this case what we're talking about is the Sun Belt, do you think there would be enough of an increase in attendance because you'd have to believe Troy would bring fans uh, Louisiana Lafayette would certainly bring fans. Louisiana Monroe would bring fans. Would there be enough uptick in attendance that perhaps the football team didn't have to play two of these sacrificial games a year in order to make ends meet? What do you think? I mean, I think where you are as an uh, a athletic department, I think there's two reasons why I'll argue in the opposite direction. I want to play Mississippi State. I want to play Miami of Florida. I want to play Alabama. 
because it's crazy good checks at the same time. I don't want to be known as a group of five for playing cupcakes in my non-conference schedule because this is what happens. This is why we were able to recruit so well when I was there, before I was there, was because when a kid came to Southern Miss, he knew that he was going to play two or three big boys every year. And every year that I played, we played Alabama, we played TCU, we played Nebraska. Uh, I, I missed out on the A&M. We played A&M several times. Uh, after I left, we played Auburn, we played Florida. And that is one of the recruiting things. You don't you don't want to look at somebody and be like, yeah, guys, our non-conference schedule, we're going to be playing two Sunbelt teams and like a MAC team. Like we, I, I want to play these teams, and and let's face it, sometimes you got to be a sacrificial lamb. But what the the 2013 or 2014 Nebraska game that we allowed them to buy us out? That's how we paid off Ellis Johnson. So I think it's inevitable. I I don't know if I want to play two top ten teams in the same year. I'm I'm with that. But if you look at this year, Mississippi State uh, is a good check. It's 1.2 million. So we're getting 2.7 out of two games, Bob, within two weeks. That's excellent for the athletic department. Oh, it is excellent for the athletic department. My only question is. Would you like to see the program someday be in a position that it didn't have to have those kind of checks? Yeah, but that's not an option on the table because we're in the group of five, and secondly, because we are um, at really the bottom of the barrel athletic budget-wise. When, when I was there, you know, we had like the the lowest, or we were in the top five lowest athletic budget for all programs in D one. And when you think about what we've done historically with the you know, comparatively a one twentieth of what the SEC does. Just I'll put it out there. I was talking on Sports Talk Friday. This blew my mind. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of this. Arkansas went zero and eight last year in the SEC. You know how much they're what kind of check they got at the end of the year? Forty two million dollars. The collective bowl revenue share or the the pool for all of the group of five is eighty one million. So Arkansas didn't win a game in the SEC and their own school got half of what every group of five conference will get for the entire year. So we're not in a bargaining chip perspective right now. We have to do what we got to do to get money. It's why in my view uh, there needs to be some movement to separate the power five and the other conferences have two separate championships, have two separate opportunities for schools to compete for championships. I've heard it on this show before that college football is the only sport, Division One sport, that uh, that athletes are not given an opportunity, actually, to compete for a college championship. But having said all that, that's not the world we live in. Up next is Alabama. The Golden Eagles are coming off a really good road win as they face Alabama. And we'll talk to Lee Roberts about all of that when the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. 
Back on a Monday, Eagle Hour brought to you every day this segment, the third segment, by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium. Great lunches, eight ninety five every day with a drink. That's 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street. Well, the Eagles uh, hold on and win 47-42 to against the Troy Trojans. And the man himself that was there giving all the color commentary on the Southern Miss broadcast, number five, Lee Roberts. Lee, it was a pretty good uh, atmosphere um, at Memorial Stadium in Troy, and it turned out to be an excellent game, particularly an exciting fourth quarter for you. No, it definitely was. And I don't know if I've ever been a part of a fourth quarter that was back and forth as as that one was on Saturday. So definitely a, a very good win for the Eagles and an exciting game, as you said. But, yeah, you know, the atmosphere was great. We had a chance, you know, on campus a little bit there on Saturday just seeing what was going on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of neat because Jeremy McLean, our athletic director now, was there, and he was kind of explaining some of the things that they had done on campus and the, the new end zone, which was, was really cool. And uh, But obviously a, a huge win and uh, one that we definitely needed for sure. Explosive start for the Golden Eagles as a former quarterback, um, and, and as good as you were, it's kind of unfathomable that Jack Abraham started seventeen for seventeen. Just remind our listeners how crazy that is. Well, I can take you back to last year. Last year he completed fifteen in a row over two games, which was I think twelve in a row at uh, at the end of the Rice game, and then three he started at the beginning of the Auburn game. So 15 completions last year, which is pretty impressive. But to start the way he did on Saturday, and, and some of those obviously are, are shorter passes and the receivers having to make catches, but obviously you got to put, put them on the money. But what was even more impressive on Saturday was we took some shots down the field as well, and he completed those balls. And I tell you, as, as a quarterback, knowing the weapons that, that he has out wide now that Quez Watkins is back, you know, he's just got to be chomping the bit at the beginning of this week telling Coach Buster Faulkner, hey, let's let's do it again. Let's air it out again. And, and it was fun. It was fun to see us throw it. But, but you're right, Jack is as sharp as, as I've seen um, back there in the shotgun for Southern Miss in a long, long time. Lee, when, you get, when a quarterback gets in that kind of throwing rhythm, is, is that similar to when you see – a, a baseball pitcher that just really gets into a rhythm and they just start filling the zone up with strikes and they just seem to throw with more and more confidence. Do quarterbacks experience that same kind of rhythm and then an elevated confidence? No, you definitely do it. And that's, that's exactly what it is, is the confidence. And, you know, he, he's standing back there, being able to stand in the pocket firmly, being able to get into his rhythm, get into a, a nice throw and to step into it and knowing that, if he throws it in a general area, his guys are gonna are gonna catch it. And you're right. I mean, it's it's some guys making some excellent plays, and they did. They went up and made some good plays, and so they made him look good. But yeah, he made them look look pretty darn good at, at times as well. And and I don't know his his first incompletion. Not sure if you know it. It, it pretty much was a, a throwaway ball. He threw it only where either it was going to be incomplete, out of bounds, or his wide receiver could catch it. So. Um, to stop at 17, still a, a great feat. But, yeah, he was he was seeing the whole field, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to be a student of the game. You've got to be able to see the whole field, know where your guys are going to go. And if it's not there, don't force it. 
dump it out to somebody and let them make something positive. You hear that terminology in baseball when batters are hitting that the baseball looks really big. When you're a quarterback, and you would know this because you were as good as any that's been here, when you're in that rhythm and your confidence is high, does does the perception of the field look any different to you, uh, Lee? I mean, do the do the holes you're trying to maybe get the football into look bigger? How, how do you see that from a from a psychological standpoint when you're behind center? You know, you're again. It goes back to having trust and confidence in your line that will form your pocket. And once you're able to do that, form that pocket and stand in there, it's being able to see those throwing lanes. And and yeah, when you're feeling it like Jack was on Saturday. He's he's seeing very clear throwing lanes and, uh, and 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 that's huge because you know obviously all you're looking for is the opposite opposite color jersey and uh, if it's not there you're going to dump it down but but I'd say it's a pretty fair comparison to a batter seeing a a hmm. big ball coming in at the plate hmm. Jack's definitely seeing it and you know going back to confidence and again having this full arsenal of wide receivers back as well is a huge thing for him right now. All right, that's interesting, Luke. Lee, you talk about uh, you know the receivers. Um, there, there's some talk in Southern Miss land that Adams and, and Quez, you're gonna start calling them Q and A because people are gonna have to ask questions about how to stop them. Um, you saw Pinkston and Gideon play, and I don't want to compare people. It's week three, but I mean, are we talking about the type of tandem there? And then you throw in Jordan Mitchell. I mean, this is probably the most talented receiver core that Southern Miss has had maybe in ten or fifteen years. Yeah, and, and not to even leave out somebody, but Tim Jones, too, who is you know a, a guy from Biloxi that's very talented. Hasn't had that breakout game yet, but he's got that kind of talent. But but you're right. I mean, Quez, 209 yards receiver. Jordan Mitchell, who's had you know three big games in a row now. And then, of course, Jalen Adams. What he, what he does to get open, and then once he catches it, how he makes guys miss, and just electric speed. And uh, plus a big, a big part of our special teams as well. But it, it is, I tell you, when you've got one target, it's easy for a team to, to cover that guy up, and it makes it tough as a quarterback from that point forward. But when you've got two or three or four, um, and then when you throw in guys like DeMichael Harris, who's a wide receiver now at tailback, you really have five great hands on the field at one time. So it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. Mm. Ask anybody that plays the New England Patriots, right? It's really yeah. hard when everybody on the field is good. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Good, good comparison. All right. Now, it was a game – to me, it was one of the most entertaining football games you could possibly watch. I watched it with my wife and my daughter and her family, and it was just fun. I mean, you know, those kind of games are just fun. But how unusual is it uh, – Lee, when you have a game and you have back-to-back kickoffs run back for touchdown, that had to really juice the place up when that happened. You know, and, and, and it's all about, you know, going back. When somebody does something against you, trying to go back and, and you know, match what they do, and that's what we did. You know, obviously a kickoff return for a touchdown is, is a tough thing for a defense or a cover team to, to fathom or to swallow. But then when you can go right back out there and, and match it, Again, that just shows you the, the positive things that are going on with Southern Miss and how things are starting to turn. And, you know, I think you're going to continue to see great things, you know, from the Eagles in the next few weeks to, and even more weeks to come. But it's, it's pretty impressive to see, you know, what we saw earlier in the year with Jalen Adams running two different returns back for touchdowns and then Saturday seeing back-to-back kickoff returns. It's, uh, it's definitely neat to see from the booth, and I've got to say, hey, Probably from the, the viewer watching TV as well. It's pretty impressive. Right. 
Lee, one, one more question about Saturday, and I think Bob wants to ask you a couple about Bama. But um, uh, the as great as the offense was, um, we got problems in our passing defense. Your your thoughts and what Tim Billings might do to uh, to not have another quarterback throw for five hundred yards on us. Well, one thing, and, and you gotta you gotta think that though. To I me, mean, this is a pretty good offense. If you remember back from when Chip Lindsey was here, the coordinator. He's got athletes and he's got a great mind as far as calling plays and putting his team in a situation to do things well. And Caleb Barker's a pretty tough quarterback, too. Going back to last year before he he got hurt, he threw his last three games combined, had over 80% completion. So he's another guy that, that gets it done. He can move around the pocket, a pretty mobile quarterback, and he's got some skilled guys as well. Yeah, I don't want to see our team give up another 500 yards and I know that's something that they are going to work on. Um, but it's one is you got to put pressure on their quarterback, and that's something that, that we gotta, we've got to continue to do. And then in the back end, you just got to play well and got to cover. I know at times we, it looked like we were a little more soft than we probably could have been. But one thing that we did do well Saturday was shut down a running game. And, and I'm not sure if their running back got hurt after that first quarter. I didn't see him much the rest of the game. But our defense did a great job against the, the rush defense for sure. All right, Lee. Now, what do you do? How, how, do, how do you prepare yourself as a player for a game like the, the kids are facing this Saturday? You know, you got to look at every week, regardless of the name on the schedule. you got to go in and look and say, hey, this is the, the biggest game of the year. And if it's Alabama or if it's, you know, next week at, you know, versus UTEP or, or whatever the game is, you got to say, hey, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to prepare just like any other. And uh, I know Coach Hobbs going to instill that in his guys. And, you know, you don't want to feel like you have to over-prepare for a team like Alabama. But, I mean, our, our ones are doggone good, and their ones are doggone good. So it's going to be inter- interesting to see, you know, what we're able to do going in there against a, a very tough Alabama team. Well, a good night Saturday night, that's for sure. And I think everybody's anxious and curious uh, to see the outcome uh, this Saturday. So we'll look forward to talking to you about that uh, this time next week, Lee. All right, that sounds great, man. I look forward to it as well. All right, Lee Roberts, everybody, one of the great quarterbacks in Southern Miss history. No argument about that. And a guy now is doing a fine job as the color commentator. All right, when we come back, we're going to have to broach this subject with Lou, uh, with Luke, I mean. Uh, the worst scenario to come out of a game has happened to his beloved Saints, and we'll talk about that when we come back. segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Gulfport Home Center located on Highway 49 in Gulfport, Mississippi. More room for you, 
more room for your family. Gulfport Home Center. Check them out online, gulfporthomecenter.ms. Soccer, after starting 1-3, has ripped off four straight wins, including two this weekend. They go out to the Plains on Friday and defeat the Auburn Tigers 2-0. Haley uh, Pohovitz and Ariel Diaz with uh, two goals in that one. And then Southern Miss uh, against Jackson State at home this uh, yesterday. Two to nothing win. Jenny Caracheo and Jackie Mantias have uh, a goal there. So the Eagles are five and three on the year. Um, not a game again until they go on the road and open up conference play this weekend up in Western Kentucky. So Coach Mo, uh, after a little slow start, Lady Eagles ripping off four in a row. Uh, NFL last night, uh, I was I was watching uh, the, the Falcons and the Eagles. Edo Smith with a very impressive run, and what they were talking about last night was just how he continues to impress and will earn more carries. The Falcons won late, but Bob, um, the Patriots uh, are, are just unbelievable, and Jamie Collins got him a pick six yesterday, and that move back to Foxborough is looking really good for his Super Bowl chances. Oh, no question, and uh, just a great day for both kids. You're right. Edo looked really good last night. He's so fast, and uh, he's so agile. It's uh, always going to be always going to be fun. Uh, to watch Edo play football, and you got to feel really good for the kid, uh, really making an impact uh, with a, with a good football team uh, in Atlanta. All right, Luke. So, so your guys, and I know how many Saints fans there are in our listening area, so we need to talk about them every week. They go out, they take on the Rams, certainly one of the premier teams uh, as well uh, in the league. Losing the game to the Rams is really not that big a deal. It was the second game of the year. The, the, obviously, the Saints opened and, and won the first game. But losing Drew Brees, my friend, for six to seven, maybe eight weeks, uh, that's that's a whole nother can of worms, isn't it? Before we talk Brees, um, it just needs to be noted, the third game, and I'm not being a whiner, but at the same time, how do you get hosed three games in a row by the NFL referees? They took a touchdown off the board that would have given the Saints the lead in the second quarter. Even without Drew Brees, the Saints were poised. You saw that play. It was a horrific call. And just to add insult to injury, when the head of the uh, the fishing comes on and just casually describes it, yeah, they blew the play. I mean, give me a break. So at this point, the Saints fans have every right to look at the NFL and say, uh, there's a conspiracy. Get your stuff right. Anyway, as much as that hurt, uh, hurt a lot more. Aaron Donald uh, hits Drew on the um, on the hand, and Drew's a tough cookie. He's, he's only since he's been with the Saints, he's only missed one game. When you saw him go over to the sideline and try to pick up a ball, and he immediately threw the ball down because of the pain. And then when you see that he's staying in in L.A. Uh, to see a hand specialist today, so it comes out uh, he's probably having surgery either today or tomorrow. Six weeks. Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, he's going against one of the best D-lines uh, yesterday. Really couldn't find it. I, I don't know where you eventually, if you don't have anything to lose, Taysom Hill is one of the best athletes in the entire NFL. And I don't know where you just kind of allow him to just take over the reins. I don't I don't see where you have anything to lose. Uh, at the same time, Bridgewater's an efficient quarterback and just kind of got thrown into the fire against an excellent defense. But um, I don't know if the Saints are going to be playing their team or the referees next week but or, or the, the opposing team, but they got to do something quick. Okay, got to move past uh, the referees now, and uh, you don't Bob, want, you, no, you no, don't no. want, you don't but, want the but, Saints but, to become a team of whiners now, do you? <laughs> but they're not, but it, it, is it is it it's the third game in a row. You cannot do that in the NFL. Like that cannot happen. 
That well, just well, I'm cannot tell you, happen. They, they, miss the a, they miss them all over the all over the league. Uh, they they missed a call yesterday in the Dallas Washington game that really kind of pulled Dallas away uh, and missed a, a, a atrocious holding call that broke Dak Prescott loose around the corner. Uh, so I hear what you're saying, but I but I guess it's just a, it's just a part of what you have to deal with in the league. Here's something interesting, though, I heard about the Saints today at lunch. I'd like to get your take on this. Uh, on the NFL channel, they were saying that that there's a kind of a double-edged problem in losing a breeze, and that is you move uh, Bridgewater into quarterback. And Hill, who has been a slot player, played a lot of different unique offensive positions on the field, will likely have to come off the field now because he's the backup quarterback. And you can't get the backup quarterback – you can't risk an injury to him, you know, receiving passes and, and, and what have you as a, as a slot player. So, so your thought about that? I mean, do they do they take Hill, who really is a tremendous athlete? Uh, do they take him off the field completely now? Yes and no. I think that's an excellent observation you make. I think it's a great point. Um, he's so dynamic, um, right? But it may just be where where you going. In the NFL, can you play with two quarterbacks? That's the question. I don't think you can. But desperate times call for desperate action. Well, that's a terrible shame. You don't want to see anybody. You don't see any team not able to compete because they lose a key player. You certainly don't want to see a player of the class of Drew Brees at this stage of his career to have to miss, you know, six or seven games. So, look, I I think everybody that enjoys football uh, doesn't want to see guys like Drew Brees get injured. And, of course, we can just wish him the best. Hey, tomorrow, Luke, Eli Gold, the legendary Play-by-play, Crimson Tide, play-by-play man. And even more legendary, Jim Stump Taylor. Oh, here we go. Oh, well, here we go. Who single-handedly took down the Dark Empire by himself (laughs) many years ago. And he'll be glad to relive it with all of you, I can assure you. All right. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss, Luke. To the top. To the A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.